This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've been a casual bird watcher for a while now. I don't really go on big bird watching expeditions or carry a notebook. Mostly I just like to notice birds. I had an assignment in high school where we had to learn over 50 bird calls by name, like American Wigeon, Least Bittern, Tufted Titmouse. It was really hard, and the names were not helping. Who came up with them? They're completely arbitrary. Okay, so woodpecker makes sense, and a red-headed woodpecker has a red head, but it's not the only woodpecker that does, and it doesn't even have the reddest head of all the woodpeckers. And how would I pick out a Swainson's thrush out of a lineup? What about that bird suggests that it was discovered by 19th century naturalist William Swainson? The names were representative of the people who coined them, as well as their time. And the older the names, the less they make sense today. Some of the names describe a species that DNA evidence later revealed was actually two or more nearly indistinguishable species that had to get their own bad names later. It's like the bad names were multiplying, and I hated them. There's a great bit of tape from the Nobel Prize-winning physicist Richard Feynman on this very subject. He says, now, you know all the languages you want to know what the name of that bird is. And when you're finished with all that, he says, you'll know absolutely nothing whatever about the bird. You only know about humans in different places and what they call the bird. A few days after my bird call assignment was over and our class had moved on to more important things, I remember stopping at the back door on my way to school. I still had my hand on the doorknob, and I was frozen listening to all these bird calls. There was an American robin, a white-breasted nuthatch, several black-capped chickadees, and an eastern goldfinch. Knowing these names didn't add to my understanding of the birds. I still didn't know what they ate or where they migrated to or how they raised their young. I just knew the names that some people of ornithological authority had given them. Just knowing their names transformed my world because there wasn't just birds in my backyard. There was an American robin, a white-breasted nuthatch, black-capped chickadees, and an eastern goldfinch. Suddenly, there were birds everywhere, and when I didn't recognize a song, I recognized it as being unrecognizable because I didn't have a name for it. Names matter, even the misleading ones. Names help us distinguish and notice and classify and find similarities. A name is the beginning of knowledge. If I were to watch a species to see what it did, I'd still have to define the species that I'd be studying. When I wanted to tell the world what I learned, I'd have to give that species a name. Because having a name is essential for a species like ours that relies on communication. Without a name, that observation, that information, dies with me. My interest in metrology, the study of measurement, is like my interest in birds. Classifying and naming and measuring are fantastic tools for observing and learning about the world around us. Now, it's true, we can go too far. 
Oscar Wilde was no doubt thinking about people just like me when he said that nowadays people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Wilde feared the temptation to obsess about the name or the number, fooling us into thinking that what you know is the only thing there is to know. I've seen plenty of bird watchers in the park run from place to place, staying only long enough to spot a rare bird, take it off their list, and dash off for the next one. In birding circles, these folks are derisively called twitchers or chasers. To earn the more magnanimous title of bird watcher, you must know that names, like numbers, are symbols. Just as they help us communicate and share our experience, names and numbers can sometimes get in the way of an experience if we let them distract us from understanding the thing that they're describing. To me, Metrology is a grand, tedious endeavor of communication. It gives us a vocabulary for describing the world, if not experiencing it. Whether in meters or yards or fathoms or chains or fist meals or lines of descriptive text, the length of the measured thing remains the same. But each measurement introduces its own little perspective. My name is Andrew Middleton. In my professional life, I am a cartographer. I spend my time literally measuring the Earth's surface, and it's given me a unique perspective on how we describe our changing environment. On Measure for Measure, my co-host Leah Reckman and I are going to explore measurement and how we put names and numbers on the universe. We're also going to look at what measurement tells us about the people who do it. It's one season, eight episodes, two hosts. I hope you'll join us. <laughs>